I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Cleary. And today we'll be discussing season one of the second show in our must-watch category, Twin Peaks. And to do that, we have a special guest with us. I'm going to introduce our good friend, Lauren DeJong. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. No worries. Lauren is on the show. <laughs> That's very cute. Yeah. Uh, it's like we've never met you before. <laughs> Hi, it's wonderful to meet you. We've heard, uh, I heard you're the foremost expert on Twin Peaks. That's why we have you you on today. Why, thank you. Yes, I am. Um, I actually wrote it and directed it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've got a lot of questions for you then. So many questions. Uh, So Lauren, a good friend of ours, my current housemate, and she is a fan of Twin Peaks, has watched it a long time ago. Didn't, wasn't necessarily the one that pushed us into watching it, but when she found out we were, was quite excited. So I've got a lot of things to ask (laughs) as someone who's a fan of the show. So this will be good. Uh, how are you doing, Damascus? I'm not sure I got that far. You didn't. I've been sitting here waiting <laughs> for it. Uh, <laughs> I'm fantastic. Oh, that's good. I'm so excited to talk about this show. Are you? Are you? No, I'm actually really scared because I don't know what I'm going to say. I feel like this episode's either going to be like a nice, swift 60 minutes because we're going to run out of things to talk about or it's going to mm. be a rambling three and a half hours. It might just be a mini episode. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it then. We'll find out what the future holds. Spoiler warning, as always, on this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens, inverted commas, in the season one of Twin Peaks. If you have not yet watched Twin Peaks, pause the podcast, go and watch it, I guess, and then come back and (laughs) keep talking about Lauren's shaking head like, I can't believe you would be so flippant about this show. Uh, But if you ask me, you can feel free to watch this episode. I don't think it's going to ruin the experience for you at all. A bit of a breakdown about Twin Peaks. It's an original murder mystery, crime, drama, something or other series following FBI Special Agent Dale Cooper as he investigates the murder of homecoming queen Laura Palmer in the sleepy town of Twin Peaks, Washington. I believe it originally aired on ABC, if I'm getting that right. Sorry if I'm incorrect. The show first premiered on April 8th, 1990 as the brainchild of director David Lynch and co-written by Lynch and Mark Frost. The show consists of 30 episodes over two seasons. After being cancelled, a feature film entitled Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me was released as a sort of prequel slash epilogue to the series. Twin Peaks is set to return in May of 2017 as a limited event series that some are referring to as a continuation or possibly reboot. One of the reasons I actually want to do this series was because it is making a comeback, which does make it pretty relevant to talk about, which is cool. What's the difference between a reboot and a... Whatever you said before. So, continuation, yeah, I would suggest that a continuation would try and continue on from where it was. A reboot is going to be, in a sense, it's going to 
it's not like you're going to have to have prior knowledge, right? So a continuation would be like, this is where it ended. We're going to pick up similarly or not long afterwards or or treat it as such and not go, okay, so I would consider Creed. Have you seen the movie Creed? No. That is a sequel. You have. Have I? The The boxing movie with... um, You loved it about the Rocky... No, the, I haven't seen Creed. Oh, oh you need to see yeah, Creed. Yeah, I know. You told that, me you liked it. No, I didn't. I, 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 I Rocky. loved oh. Creed. I'm not a Rocky fan, but I loved Creed. Right. And I believe the re- <laughs> part of the reason that is, I think every, I think it can you work that way. You need to be slapped. <laughs> I, I tried to watch Rocky and got bored, all right? <gasps> I, I mean, skipped to the end. The end I'm, was good. I know Lauren isn't going to like this, but I think we've all tried to watch Rocky <laughs> and got bored. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like unless you like grew up with it when you were little, and I your never dad grew up with that. Was... I saw it for the first time in the year 2015. You like weird stuff in though, 2015. So. Wow! And Creed came out the following year. Have you seen the sequels to, to Rocky at all? Yeah, all of them. No. Okay. I've it... seen. I haven't seen five. Gotcha. Okay. Point being, Creed is yes a continuation. It takes on the lore of the previous films for sure, um, but. It's also a good reboot in that it's kind of a remake of Rocky in a way, but it's you can jump in because it's a new character that's taking over as well, which is really cool. So someone who wasn't a fan of the or hasn't really watched the previous films, I was able to jump right in and feel like, oh, I'm not missing anything. And kind of just wanted to go back and watch it, but not because I felt like I needed it because it just made me interested all of a sudden. Wait, so then... Is so a remake would a be Force, like a Force Awakens. The Force Awakens theoretically a reboot. A reboot. Yeah. Yes, yeah, right. Theori- a lot of people would call that a reboot. Yeah, um, because because the similarities the, with the New Hope. But yeah, yeah, there's a that that's exactly right. It's yeah. like we are restarting this franchise. It's obviously being made a lot later. It is a continuation, but it's a fair way afterwards. I think a lot of people would consider that a reboot as well. Yeah, right. Um, rather than a remake, you can also get reboots which sort of go back to where the thing started and then try and do it in a different way. I don't know. There's, it, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, that's the short version of this. I don't know. So there's still speculation on what the new Twin Peaks is going to we be. We really don't know. Yeah, we we don't know how much it's going to continue on from the last thing. Season one, the season we just watched, features eight episodes with a typical episode coming in around 46 minutes with the pilot being the exception at an hour and a half. And a complete viewing took us approximately seven hours and 40 minutes to complete. Twin Peaks stars Kyle McLaughlin, Michael Ondkeen, Lara Flynn Boyle, and many others. Who I were there any notable ones you really wanted you to mention? Scroll down on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be bothered. I stopped at Lara Flynn Boyle because I recognised Lara Flynn Boyle. But yeah, that's it. Right. That's where I'm stopping. <laughs> Story synopsis. You got one for us, Damask? I do have one. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. So here's the Twin Peaks season one rundown. Get ready for it. So, in the town of Twin Peaks, a teenage girl is found wrapped up in plastic by the seashore. Who is the girl? It's Laura Palmer, the homecoming queen. You know, the kind of girl in high school that you either wanted to be or be with. Or if you were sexually confused like me, it'd probably be both. Um, As the news rings out across the town, we see Laura's mother screaming and crying for approximately three hours in each episode. We see her father losing his mind and yet just simply can't fight off those jazz hands. We see Laura's best friend meet up with Laura's secret James Dean-esque boyfriend. Together they mourn by 69ing on top of Laura's grave. I mean, that doesn't actually happen, but it emotionally feels like that. It's an emotional 69, if you will. We see Laura's real-life boyfriend, Bobby, kind angry, but mostly just horny and dry-humping a waitress who is married to a mulleted wife-beater. God, this is convoluted. 
Uh, where was I? Ah, uh, yes. So, while the ramifications of Laura's death are still being realised, another young woman is discovered. She's not dead, though. She's just catatonic. And because this traumatised young lady crossed state lines, it's now a federal case, and FBI agent Cooper is sent to the small town to find out what's what. And by what's what, I mean... What's a tree? What's a coffee? What's a pie? And all of these intriguing questions are answered. Thank God. It's unearthed that Laura is a naughty, naughty girl, not your average high schooler. Instead of staying home after school and watching reruns of Degrassi like I did, Laura decided to sell her body to over-the-hill businessmen. I mean, I see the appeal. What kid doesn't want a little extra pocket money? Donna and James are out to hunt for Laura's killer because they've run out of cute date ideas, I guess. And Audrey, the most beautiful human that has ever lived, who is an enigmatic, curious and intelligent young lady, investigates the death as well, so that the dashing Agent Cooper will be impressed and whisk her away. And I think this is the only time I will ship a teenager with a grown man, and the grossness of that sentence is somewhat lessened when you know that the actress who plays Audrey was 25 at the time, so do not judge me. Thank you. Don't send letters. Uh, What else is there? Oh, yeah, Audrey's dad owns the casino that houses a whole harem of high school sex workers. Cool. Uh, There's an eyepatch lady that has a great new curtain runner invention. Patent pending, no doubt. Uh, There's a bartender that's in cahoots with the mulleted wife basher. They're drug smugglers and used to do weird sex stuff with Laura. Agent Cooper finds out about it and arrests the bartender for killing Laura. And then Agent Cooper goes back to his room and is shot. Oh, also there's a storyline about devaluing a lumber mill and insurance fraud and hidden ledgers, but you know, those scenes don't contain the cheerful dialogue of Agent Cooper or the alluring eyebrows of Audrey Horn, so I don't care. Oh, and I almost forgot the most important thing. Uh, Cooper has a dream about Laura Palmer in the future and a little person and it helps him solve the crime. The end? That was amazing. I loved that. I do want to clear one thing up, though. Mm. Definitely not patent pending. I believe the whole yeah, resolution that's was, why that, she's crying. <laughs> was that she got know, rejected and then committed suicide, as far as we can tell, or at least attempted. I don't know if we got a complete resolution on that. That was sad. Was it? No. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're watching Twin Peaks this week because uh, it's in our must-watch category. It's a show that a lot of people consider a must-watch television show. And I sort of wanted to talk about why that is. One of the, look, going do do some research about it. It's frequently ranked as one of the best TV shows ever made. It was a huge ratings con- success and considered a cultural phenomenon at the time in 1990 when it was on. Mm. People just, for whatever reason, which we can maybe discuss why that was, <laughs> were really into the mystery of Laura Palmer and into what the show was doing. And so there was a lot, a lot of people watching, especially in season one. And then... People sort of started to lose interest, though, in season two, and ultimately the show was cancelled. Uh, I think famously the uh, the executives said they need to get the Laura Palmer mystery resolved and try and move on. I think that's around the time that David Lynch left the series as well. And as far as I'm aware, a lot of people don't consider season two to be as good. And so it never made it into a season three. But since then, it's become a huge pop icon in a lot of ways. It's referenced in myriads of pop culture works such as television shows and games and books and all over the place, music, all sorts of things. Um, And a lot of people consider Twin Peaks to sort of be the granddaddy of other mystery television and weird enigmatic TV shows going forward. So The X-Files, Buffy, Lost and Westworld and so forth. Now, before I get in, we start talking about specifics of uh, how we found the show, I just want to ask you guys, how much of other David Lynch work have you guys watched a mask? 
Um, I'd seen Elephant Man and Mulholland Drive. How'd you find it. how'd you find those two? I watched Elephant Man with my grandma, who was mm. a very conservative Christian woman. Um and I think she saw that it was black and white and thought it would be good for me to watch. Um, and it hurt me quite a lot. <laughs> it's, re- <laughs> it's really, really sad and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, it w- I mean, I was interested in the, the life of the elephant man. I thought that was cool. Uh, and Mulholland Drive, I liked it. I watched it when I was like 17, mm-hmm. um, newly realizing that I liked ladies and they have like, lady kissing in it so i was like this is dope this is for me but beyond that i had no idea what was happening in the film okay sure lauren um yeah i haven't seen very much i've seen um wild at heart a couple times which is really great um and i've seen yes mulholland drive which i also really enjoyed and um poor old dune which is a shambles (laughs) and not at all his fault and all and completely his fault. And completely his fault. <laughs> Not at all. Completely. Okay, I've seen. I saw a Razorhead just actually quite recently. My girlfriend and I have a list of movies that we sort of similar to this must watch films that we haven't seen yet. And a Razorhead was one of them. It was interesting. I'll give it that. Like it was there was some interesting ideas in there and presented in fascinating ways. I didn't love it, but I didn't dislike it necessarily. June, we got. I remember this specifically when I was a kid. Like DVDs must have been new, so it might have been like early two thousands. And for some reason, we ended up with this copy of Dune, and we started to watch it. And I honestly don't think I made it past the first scene and went, "No, <laughs> scrap that one." I only found out later that was a Lynch film. I went, "Ah, oh, okay, that makes sense." Mulholland Drive, I've seen as well. I got to study that. But he tried to take his name off it. Did he Lynch off take Dune? Yeah. Uh, What's that director's name? That I was they put? just about to ask that. Um, Chris. Uh, you know that it's like, a stupid looking name. Oh, as yeah. in what a pseudonym name they just give to yeah. like if when you someone doesn't want it. Pre- I, mean, you don't want to I can't remember what it is, but okay. there's a movie about it, isn't there? Yeah. Where a guy, oh fuck, who's in it? I can't remember. Gene Wilder, I think, is maybe in it. I can't really remember, but his name is the name that the directors uh, use when they don't yeah. want to use their name, uh, and he wants to be a director. I haven't actually seen it. But oh, that's I, a great I, idea. I, I thought that film. was a good idea. Yeah, that's cool. Um, oh, I didn't realize that he's disowned himself from that one. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Mulholland Drive, yeah, I saw that. We studied that when I was doing, when I was studying. Um, oh, so you've studied Lynch. I studied <laughs> at least, well, yeah. I, I studied look forward Lynch. to your insights, Brad. Studied that and we also were given as a w- assignment, we had to do a blog piece on Inland Empire and I made it halfway through that. This is really when my I fell out of love with Lynch. I got to a very specific point in that and my blog was meant to be about what, and I, my blog piece, this is a, you know, a piece that I need to submit for uni was just me going, I quit at this point because I was damn right offended by what was going on in this film at this stage. I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm just not wasting my time on this film what anymore. What do you mean offended by what was happening? This is, seems petty, but you've got to consider this as being the straw that broke the camel's back, all right? I was already struggling with his, I actually, I realized I'd seen some of the movie before. It had been on like SBS or something like that. And I'd watched bits of it and it was, I remember it being weird. I remembered certain elements. And I got to this bit, a weird, hallucinogenic or yeah hallucination or dream sequence or something like that with Laura Dern and there were all these women dancing around this room that was lit red I think and they were dancing I think to At Last by Etta James I was like this song deserves better <laughs> like, this song should not be used in this way it's fucking affront to Etta James and so I was like I'm done I just and like I said it's a petty thing but I was just I was so not into that movie right 
Have you you haven't seen that I've one? I've never even heard of that. You it. should try that one. There's these whole really long extended sequences with these people dressed as rabbits in a um like oh, just try it. Good luck. Okay. I mean it's not with your me. the recommendation you just gave me. Um I definitely <laughs> won't try it. But. Well <laughs> anyway, so I, my relationship with Lynch is that I don't it's not for me is how I generally go into these things, but I'm willing to give things a chance and Twin Peaks is so well beloved that I want to give it a, tro- a sh- try. That's certainly where I'd come to on this. I'd yeah. heard Twin Peaks was weird. I heard it was iconic, but it never really struck me. No one never really pressured me into seeing it before. Mm. What about you? Why hadn't you watched it yet, Damask? Oh, I mean, I knew that it wasn't for me. I, I figured that it would just be too weird and I wouldn't understand it I won't, and I wouldn't have fun. Because like, with things that I'd seen of Lynch's in the past... And this actually happened when I was watching this season was there were like little bits that I love. Like it, it shocks me how much I love it. I'm like, that was beautiful. That was incredible filmmaking. But as a whole, I don't, I, it doesn't connect with me. Cause I remember like in Mulholland drive when that lady singing the Spanish version of cry yeah. and it's incredible. It's like transformative. It's, it's so good. But the rest of the film, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Mm. And that's pretty much what happened with this show. So I, my prediction was correct. It, it was, well, it just wasn't my thing. It wasn't my jam. That's why you hadn't watched it. Cause you yeah, just cause I, just, it I figured it, I, yeah, I wouldn't like it. Yeah. So what's interesting is, Lauren, what you were telling me today is you actually watched this not sort of of the era, not as it was airing, but yeah, not long so, after. So um, I think, and I think, I told Brod earlier, I think it was like 93, but I think thinking about it again, it's probably more like 95, 96. Yeah. Um, Still with inside what, yeah. the decade. Though. Oh, yeah. And it was like a big, fat VHS box set that <laughs> my mum had rented from the video store and had to watch, like, you know, uh, binging. It was actually the first experience of binge television i'd ever had Mm. like it was like oh my god you're actually gonna sit there all day and like watch television yeah yeah because i yeah i didn't know anyone that would go to a video store and hire like a season of television because like who's got the time and then you've got to return it like it was just such a hassle that's (laughs) right so i remember uh so 95 i don't know how old am i like early teenager and my, I was watching it with my mom and my aunt and I just remember being so freaked out at the first moment in, I think it's episode two, when Bob appears. The guy at the end of the yeah, bed. Yeah, the guy at the end yeah. of the bed. Yeah. That uh, I like, I just was like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and then kept coming back in to see if I could get it. And then just the, the like creepy horror elements kept sort of freaking me out but I do remember that it was like an event that it was really important that it was it was hyped and my mum felt completely out of the loop because she hadn't seen it and so she's like I have to watch this I have to watch this now um then uh a few years ago I tried to watch it again uh with some friends yeah uh weekly and we shouldn't have done that either because it was at night and <laughs> and the exact same thing happened. I just got so freaked out at the exact same point and it was like, yeah, it was like PTSD of yeah. <laughs> television. 
<laughs> um, it's funny how something like that, especially from your childhood, can, yeah. can hit you even when you're an adult. And yeah. just like, I keep thinking of the wheelers in oh, Return yeah, to that's Oz. That's still terrifying. I, that whole movie, yeah. there are so many elements in that movie. I'm just like, I, if I watch them, I'm just like, that just hits yeah. me in a really weird place. I can't. And it mine's like yeah, the witches what? and stuff like that. The, the, the way yeah, she moves yeah. her head. Oh, and yeah. even the... Um, the 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 gnome king or something like that. His face is like clay made it into a rock. I'm just like it just doesn't look right. It just <laughs> Does, even today, when I was just like flicking around trying to remember what happened in season one, and that image came up on my laptop, and I was like, <gasps> like it's, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty deep. Um, well, now I know how to terrify if I ever yeah, absolutely, so absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, so I've never actually seen the whole. I've, I've seen season one all the way through, definitely, right. and I've seen uh, half of season two, like the good half, apparently, where where right. the whole mystery is resolved, um, where that story ends and then it continues on and it gets crap, and that's the, yeah. the point when Lynch and Frost left. Oh, they both left. Yeah. Oh, really interesting. Okay. Yeah. So basically, I think the, one of one of the reasons why. I like it and is because it does hold a certain nostalgia for me. But that's not the only reason I like it. Yeah. I I think it's I think it's charming and I don't I can't think of anything else that is like it. Right. In mm. in tone, like it's such an interesting tone. It's so silly and so over the top yet so serious and dramatic. Just, just going back a second for something you were saying before about how some of these images still like are scary to you and yeah. things like that. Are you generally someone who, how do you generally cope with like horror and stuff like that? Are you somebody who's affected by those things, or do you have a high tolerance or a low tolerance for? No, I have a low scary? tolerance, but okay. I think it's especially things that I can, like, possibly envisage happening to me. So I'm mm. not so scared of monsters or yeah. like you know, big bad snakes or even people with guns I'm not that scared of. But it's like, yeah, slightly supernatural. Yep. Things in your house. Things things in your bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. So if it's got a weird tone to it, if it's like twisted and like strange, that's going to affect you more. Oh, yeah. Okay, interesting. So did you shit yourself when you watched Babadook or? I will probably never watch that. Babadook is a great movie. You should definitely watch Babadook. Um, okay. It was interesting also what you were saying about how you haven't finished the show either. Because I feel like that, well, that's what's really interesting for me about the the hit, well, the legacy of this show is it's mm. so well known as there's been this cult hit, but it seems like so many people, yeah. like that, that it peaked early yeah, well, that's thing, and like, then died. In researching then... it was when I found out that people didn't really like... Uh, the latter half of the second season, which I had never heard before. I had heard it was just completely amazing. Right. And if yeah. ratings or anything to believe, a lot of people just never got through it anyway. Yeah. Like, uh, who knows how many actually returned to it later, but it, certainly at the time, people weren't finishing the show. I don't know. I just find that really interesting that even as someone who's a fan of the show, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, yeah, you didn't have even finished it either, but that's fine. Like, I'm, that's, I think that sounds like you're, much like people who watched at the time. So that's oh, cool. Oh, it just gets really boring. It just gets boring. Right. Mm. Okay, cool. Well, that's cool. So we've got your general thoughts on it. Let's, yep. ju- let's talk about, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more detail. You were saying the things that you found interesting about the time and then now you're reflecting back there. Are, you, it's the weird tone it's, or it's that mixture of tones and how unique it is is one of those things you really like about the show. Yeah, I think there are, 
there are just so many little moments that are just so absurd um, and almost like in a heartfelt like I'm thinking of especially when the dad after the after the funeral mm-hmm. when he comes into the where uh, into the hotel and he's like br- having a breakdown and mm-hmm. doing his weird dance and ca- the mill owner comes in yeah Catherine Catherine comes in and starts like trying to make it all okay yeah. Yeah. and even though she's doing it cuz she's trying to save face for her company or whatever mm. like it's just it's kind of beautiful and ridic- like completely ridiculous <laughs> yeah um, I love that moment, and and my other favorite moment is um, Jerry Horn's entrance when he brings in the sandwiches in the middle of dinner, and they just lose their minds yeah. over these sandwiches. The brie and the baguette, yeah, yeah. It is. That's bit, oh, it is. I mean, but I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Completely without warning, yeah. and has no other. Like, you know, it's it's ridiculous and it's great. Though I think the funniest moment, it was really weird, it was hilarious but also heartbreaking, was when it's at the funeral and Leland jumps on and top of the casket and it goes down <laughs> and then it goes up and then it go- and he's just like away. Like, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And the, the mom's just like, don't ruin this. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, great. the truth is I love Leland. Yeah. I think he's amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just uh, like he, he, he barely says anything. He spends the whole time in tears or dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such an emotional being. It's great. Yeah. Oh, like the way that they keep they keep sort of um, introducing the soap that's on the show, the right. invitation, invitation to, to love, love. Right. Yeah. and it's just always comes in the background, just like this creepy dude watching over their shoulder or something. Like it's just this. Like there's weird music that always accompanies it. It's always. Yeah, and I like that kind of, I don't know, I guess self-referential bit. Yeah, yeah okay. That's kind of, so Invitation to Love, they're like making fun of it as being completely over the top and ridiculous and nonsensical. You know, it's funny because I think, so for me, that's like what frustrated me. It's like, I look at that Invitation to Love and go, okay, I see what you're doing here. You're doing a send-up of soaps. Cool, send-up of soaps. That makes sense to me. I can laugh at that. But when they're also doing it in the show but not doing it, it's like they're doing it but not doing it. It's like, it's like. What do you mean they're not doing so it? Because I, prob- I think they're absolutely doing it. They're also just doing other things as well. Uh, that. The problem I have is sometimes when to do a parody of something or to send something up, you have to be able to. It, the, the, it's like the idea of when something can. If you can't tell the difference between whether something's being sarcastic or not, then it wasn't worth doing. If, if, it's, if you're doing the parody and it's mm. not, you're just not doing it effectively enough, then it may not as well be a parody at all. In which case, it just becomes a bad entry in the genre. It's like, that's my problem with it. It's like, I didn't find it to, if it was trying to, if it was meant to be mm. funny and make me go, oh, that's a really funny, like, yeah, I mean, send up of I the genre. Because I think you have an expectation of, like, if it's a parody, then it has to meet these certain conventions. Mm. Whereas they're, like, doing it, but they're not doing it to the way that you want it done. They're, they're consciously subverting that, though. I Which I think is, like, a trademark of, like, Lynch. To and do also that. because it's yeah a straight up parody is one thing, but they've they've gone with that and then added a whole layer on top, which yeah. for you know it's a whole like, season because in the in those soaps like terrible things happen to people all the time, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of like glazed over. I was like you know another bad thing, another bad thing. Oh, I'm going to cry dramatically, but then like next week. I'll be getting married to the love of my life. So they're like, these people exist in this world where terrible things are happening, 
but like the actual weight and reality of that is like makes everything so dark and murky and yucky and it's actually like a really oppressive place to live even though like they're pretending like it's fine or that it's normal when it's not are we talking about actual soap operas or are we talking about twin peaks now I'm talking about Twin Peaks. Okay, being cool. Because, a, because I don't know, but as that—that's its—that's its point as being as as a as a parody or as a send up by mm. showing that darkness that is ignored or pushed away out of like a soap opera, like Days of Our Lives or something like that. Mm. That's that's the that's what's going for. That's well, that's I don't. I think you're looking for a point where there isn't one. Right. Okay. So it's pointless. <laughs> no, no. I think I think you're right. I think that is one of the things okay. they're definitely going for. Yeah, I think you want like a main thesis of what this show is, and like I you, want any thesis. You, you're not you're not going to get that because that's not what this show is doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you can't have those expectations for this show. I I I don't I didn't have any expectations going in though. I just wanted no, to. No, but give I you think something. you have like, and this is a great thing this show does is that we as viewers are so accustomed to seeing what we always see, that we naturally have expectations. And so when something doesn't meet that, it's really confusing for us. And that's what Lynch and Frost do really well, is that they they will show us something and then it will take a turn or it won't quite be what we expected or like the emotional response that we see on screen isn't what we were expecting. And so like we get confused and then have to really consciously, like we're so conscious of the fact that we're watching something. It's interesting because I feel like maybe there's a point coming that that's going to hit for me where I'm reading up on this and sort of where it goes and stuff like that. Apparently, there's a lot of things like supernatural elements and sci-fi elements that are coming that aren't in this first season. That would work for me on that level because when you say I'm I'm waiting for certain things to happen in a certain no, way... No, I actually doubt it, Brad. Luke. Because that's not what was happening. Everything was... Nothing was happening that, that wasn't obvious or... Nothing was happening in this show that I didn't go. That I went. I mean, there were moments that did that were like absurd or whatever. But the, I don't know. I guess I'm because I'm looking at it as a season of television or as a television show as its entity. I'm looking for an overarching story, and that's the wrong thing to do. Like, well, by, well by, that's, that's your expectation, then, isn't it? That you, yeah. that's what you want. I mean, when it sets up, when a show sets up that there's a murder mystery, and that's the first opening scene, and that's yeah, I kind of am. Yeah, because that's your expectation. Okay, and it's kind of like. Pointing you like, well, if that's your expectation, we're just gonna like fuck with you. Okay, great. Because we can like create whatever kind of mood we want, and we want you to be like conscious viewers while you do it. Yeah, I'll, it's ironic that I'm meant to be a conscious viewer. I was being put to sleep by the show, <laughs> like Were legitimately, le- legitimately having a hard time keeping my eyes open watching it. Uh, like, okay. for like, could not really had a hard time. And it's like this is I've thought about that. Like, is this just, was it a bad week for me to be watching this show? Was I watching too many episodes in a row or anything like that? I've had that problem when I've been watching Breaking Bad sometimes and gone, I need to stop now because I'm having a hard time paying attention now or whatever. And it wasn't that because I wasn't watching that many at a time. It would be, I'd start the episode and within 10 to 15 minutes, the pace was so slow and so, or we're moving between so many different people and so many storylines and people I didn't care about in any way. And again, if we're talking about subverting expectations, fine, but I wasn't engaged. So I... To consciously, it would, it would be such hard work for me to consciously engage with it at all. And I'm someone who tries to engage. You mm. talk about how you're more of a passive viewer than I. I really want to think about what I'm watching and get that stuff from it. And it was. I yeah. think that might be part of part of I was why just you struggled with it. Was getting is, nothing. Yeah, no, is because 
while it's while it is made for i don't i kind of argue that it's not made for a conscious view i argue that it's made to no, wash over you no mm. like like the way more the way that you i'm not watch. saying it's made for a conscious viewer i'm saying it's made to make you conscious that you are oh, a viewer yeah absolutely. yeah that's what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah yes yeah, no um but no i think that it's it's less like you're supposed to be questioning what's happening and more like you just you just take it you bend over and take it, yeah. Brad. It's so, Brad, take it. I find really interesting take about it, Brad. that, and maybe this is where the show becomes interesting to me, is looking at it from the outside in. This is a show that, for whatever reason, maybe accidentally or maybe maybe on purpose, they presented in a way that got people hooked at the time. It had the right vibe going for it. It had the right murder mystery, and everyone was like, ooh, we're into this. I want it. People started watching. And then as it kept doing its thing, people left it and didn't come back because they weren't getting... They weren't satisfied by what was going on. Do you on, have the, get... like, numbers per episode? I don't. I, oh. I, all I have is the, all I know, and I'm, they, I'm, those big numbers might exist, but all I know is that it was so bad that the, that the studio kept saying, you need to wrap up this storyline, and that forced the creators to leave, and then no one was watching, so they cancelled right. it. Like, I think that's, in and of itself, yeah. says enough. I think it was, like, a moment of, like, really great experimental television, and sometimes experiments don't work, mm-hmm. and that's fine, but... I don't know they gave it a shot. They tried to do something different. That to me sounds like the experiment. If 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 there's a comment to be made about becoming conscious that you are watching, that you are a viewer, mm. right? That people were starting to go, well, I'm not, well, I'm not engaged with this, so I'm going to turn off. Then maybe the experiment was a success. They they started in a place that people were able to latch onto and just kept moving it further and further and further and further and further away from that initial point until people were like, I don't know what this is anymore. It wasn't what I thought, and left. Maybe was that the point? Were they trying just to have a viewership and then lose it? Because if so, well done. And maybe they were. There's, well, there's, there's, I mean, interesting, yeah, there's, there's an interesting comment yeah. there. It's more interesting than I've ever thought about the show so mm. far. Oh man, I don't. Which makes me fascinated for the fact it's coming back. Yeah. Like the legacy that this show has. That's why I'm so happy I've watched it yeah. now. At least I've watched season one. To go, this show is coming back 26 years after it initially aired. People have built up this idea of what this show is. What yeah. is the reception going to be like? Do you think it's like um, the? I haven't rewatched it, but I remember you told me not long ago that you had. It's kind of like the Dottie Darko thing. Maybe where like you know, like it was like this weird, that mysterious, be, like supernatural thing Twin that Peaks. you love. Like when you like first watch, you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then because you rewatched it recently, and you said that it was not. I great. I right? watched. I think Donnie Darko, I really... I mean, I feel the same way about a few different films. I feel the same way about oh, Garden State. Garden State, oh my God. But Donnie that Darko, is a steaming pile of human and excrement. I loved it. I loved it. I was obsessed with it. I thought it was incredible. It spoke to my soul, which I think says a lot about my teenage soul. It was also a steaming pile of excrement. But, oh God, it's a bad movie. Anyway. The Donnie Darko, I think, might be a better... Might be a better... Uh, parallel though because mm, yeah. of its tone because of what that film is trying to do I also think maybe the, one of the reasons I like Donnie Dark is because it went for two hours and not two seasons and the first season was around seven and eight hours long <laughs> and stuff like that because I, I'll tell you one of the things I kept thinking of when I was watching this show is I kept thinking of The Room right <laughs> and I love The Room if people don't know what The Room is Johnny Wiseau the, the, one of the best worst films ever made it is incredible it is the best, the, the best the bad film that's ever been made. It, without a doubt in my mind. Yeah. And 
It has a cult following too, and people yeah. go and watch it at midnight, even in cinemas in Melbourne, and it's just got this community around it. But but one of the reasons I think that works, I think there's two things. Mm. A, you can tell it's in not it's actually trying to be good. It's trying to do something and failing so miserably that that's enjoyable. And it's an hour and a half movie and not longer. So, you know, every time you go to rewatch it, you know what you're going to laugh. You watch it drunk. You watch it with friends. You watch it in a cinema with a group of people, whatever it might be. This show had all the elements that make The Room funny to me, except I think it was trying to be like that. And therefore, the joke doesn't work for me because it's not funny because it wasn't an accident anymore. I feel like a Twin Peaks for you that you might like will be um was it Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Now that I've the little bits I've seen of that yeah. I like, but yeah. that's maybe again, that's that's more your I mean, type. That's more, of if Twin we're talking Peaks. parody, that's because I think it's more obvious parody. It's more obvious where it's jokes. It's like jokey joke. It's jokey funny. But that's though. like a parody of like a hospital drama mm-hmm. that takes place in a weird supernatural world, right? Where like people's all their like emotions are heightened and weird like psychic things happen. It's it's actually quite similar to Twin Peaks, but instead of like a a, a community soap opera, it's a workplace soap. Opera. Well, maybe 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 because I've only seen very tiny little bits of it and thought to myself, oh, I'd like this show. But then again, everyone I know loves the Mighty Bush, and I never got the Mighty Bush. Like there is a I, okay. This is one of my first questions. Am I broken? Is there something wrong with me that I just there are some things that I Humour is obviously... If you're broken, then everyone's broken because some yeah. people just don't like some things. That's fine. I think, I think, I think that's there's a the theme. Point. There's a theme and it's the... You get you get bogged down by the absence of logic. Possibly. I mean, that does that. that's me to a T. Yeah. I'm very... I like to think of myself as a rational person. But, like, absurdity is not... I mean, there's different levels of absurdity. I don't... I like absurdity when, because absurdity can exist in a great way to, to sort of. It's funny that you to say that absurdity can happen in a logical way. Absurdity can happen in certain doses in certain specific ways to make an abstract point about something that I'll go cool. I get that. That makes sense to me. What you're trying to do there, even if I don't understand all of it, I understand it in essence what it's trying to do. Uh, yeah, because you want a point to make sure you can rationalize. I do. I want my art so it makes sense because saying something, it can't possibly something. just be absurd for for its own sake. No, but interesting. I was just going to say before um, something stirring in the back of my mind about how you said, how you're talking about Lynch trying to make it progressively more like crazy and out there going down the rabbit hole. And I, I, that's like stirring something that I actually think that's maybe what was, what actually was going on that he had had enough and was like, well, let's just see how, let's just see how we can push it. I do here. That's what I feel about Inland Empire though. I look at that movie and go, I don't think you're trying to make a point here. I think you're just throwing as much batshit crazy stuff at the screen as you can. Maybe that's what he's doing. I think totally. I think that's kind of what he does. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good. It's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. I don't know. I'm someone who, and we've talked a lot about this, you know, I talk about like seeing the gears working and stuff like that. And that annoys me when those things become really obvious and stuff like that. I appreciate really good organic storytelling. And when there's none of that, I just, I guess I have nothing to hang on to. And that loses me. I feel shit for making a podcast about television shows where I just sit here and go, yeah, it wasn't for me. Didn't get it. Don't like it. <laughs> but that's all I got. That's all I've got. Someone take over because I'm running out of things. Um, 
or, or slightly going insane, one or the other. Yeah. Okay. 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 I do have. I do have things. I, I do have things. Sorry. Unless you've got something you do want to talk about. I just had a question for you. Okay. And you too, Lo. Is Agent Cooper Chris Traeger's stepbrother? <laughs> uh, there is a similarity. There, there is. I was like, I was like halfway through the scene. I'm like, oh my god, he's Chris Traeger from Parks and Recreation, but like, l- like less excited. But he's still got like that peppy energy, all American energy. I'm like, mm, yeah, I could, I could. They should have brought him in for an episode of Parks and Rec. Agent Cooper is the part of the show that I enjoyed. Because Agent Cooper is the throwback to traditional storytelling yeah. that... Except he was... I mean, he was an over-exaggerated version, but yeah. I, but he was just charming and fun. And, I mean, he had an energy that I just liked when he was on screen even. Like, oh, he's fantastic. Even, even he's when fantastic. it was dumb, right? Like, in my... This is me. Inverted commas, dumb, right? Like, the... I think at some stage we want to talk about the Tibet scene where he starts like throwing rocks at the yeah. at the bottle. <laughs> totally stupid, but I but for some reason the way that was constructed, I enjoyed the stupidity of that. That felt more like an obvious like mm-hmm. joke going on there. It was it had a rhythm to it and stuff like that. And like the little bits with like Lucy about should I cross that one out because that's a place another person's yeah. name stuff like that. Don't know that worked for me. It was just it was silly enough in the right way that I was enjoying mm. that bit. And he's just, he's that, uh, what's the actor's name? Um, Carl McLaughlin. Thank you. He was, I mean, he just, he's just a great energetic presence on screen. Whenever he's on, I'm like, cool, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have anything else about Cooper? I did, actually. I just wanted to talk about, like, the language in Twin Peaks and how, like, Cooper's, like, a perfect example of how dialogue represents character. I've got, Mm -hmm. like, this little piece of dialogue that I... I love it. I've read it over and over again um, when I was like looking at a few of the scripts. Uh, so Cooper's talking to Harry, Sheriff Truman. And so he says, Harry, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Every day, once a day, give yourself a present. Don't plan it. Don't wait for it. Just let it happen. It could be a new shirt at the men's store, a catnap in your office chair, or two cups of hot black coffee. I just love that last sentence. It could be a new shirt at the men's store, a catnap in your office chair, or two cups of hot black coffee. I think that is just like a perfect example of who he is. Like it's like simple language. It's still like warm, friendly, inviting. Like it doesn't have any fancy flourish, but like it paints like this steady, clear picture that like draws you in, which is who like Agent Cooper is. He's like that straight lace, like all American, like. Um, not, he's, I mean, he's an FBI agent, but like that police officer that's like like true blue, completely good and there to protect the community. And like it's perfectly demonstrated in the like incredible dialogue in so many of these episodes. Did you like notice anything about the dialogue at all? Anyone? No? Um, I think one of the reasons that I appreciate Cooper's dialogue is just because it was performed with a conviction that made it work a lot better because there were a lot of lines that were that may have looked interesting mm. like that's a real what you i think that 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 monologue or sequence mm. of dialogue that you just sort of brought out there is very interestingly written there's a certain like rhythm or poetry mm-hmm. to it and stuff like that and performed right that has power and that has yeah. gravitas or has at least is enough for me to like bite into it it's, yeah. it hits me so many times though because mm. of what's going on or not going on there is maybe interesting dialogue that's going by the wayside. It's written great, but it's just then brought out by someone who's either a non-entity 
Right. So it doesn't mean anything. Because I, I, I think you're right. I think there's probably some interesting writing in there. Yeah. But it's being wasted a lot of the time too. For it's, me. It's being wasted because it's not because spoken of the, by... Because of the performances, because of... Right, you don't like the performances. Yeah, yeah, basically. Right. And I'm, I'm like, it's obvious they're going for something here. They're, they're yeah. after a very specific thing, but I don't... But if there are moments like that that mm. worked for you, they plenty... Yeah, a million I mean, they were like, of them didn't work for me. I mean, I just thought like it was certain moments in this season that I really, really loved. And they were just like short and simple. And like a lot of them actually like ended a scene. Um... There was one particularly that's sticking out in my mind when um, Harry and Cooper go into like one of the offices at work or an interrogation room. Um, and is it Lucy, the receptionist? Yeah. Lucy was follows the other character them. I liked. And there's this great big like moose head on the table. Yeah. And like they just kind of like point at it. She's like, it fell down. Like, that's it? I was like, that's like, that is hilarious to me. It's just like a perfect like, like, punctuation mark this, at the end of that scene. This reminds me, it wasn't even the end of that scene. That was in the middle of that scene. Was it? it was, she oh, introduces them the into the room, yeah, right? right? And then she, they're talking about what they're meant to be talking about. Yeah. But then they all become aware of the moose head and she says, it felt like, no one asks, yeah. why is there a moose head here? She just says, what happens at the end of that scene? They keep talking for a while. I don't think they, either they move it or they they, they just keep talking with it there. Oh, okay, right. Um, I thought it was the end of the scene. I'm almost 99% sure it's, right. it's not mm. the end of that scene. It's the end of her talking. But right. then Cooper, they, everyone just sort of accepts it and keeps talking right, okay, yeah. despite it. But that sits in line with your tone of humour. I keep thinking of that bit, the bit you love in Avatar with the duck and Aang. You just yeah. love that awkward, totally, you know, non-sequitur. I love, like, I love an awkward, I do, I love awkward pauses, particularly when it's like there's more than one. And they play off each other. Sure. I do like that. And that happens. That's exactly what happens that scene. The, yeah. ti- the timing there, similar to what we talked about with that specific joke in Avatar, was it is timed perfectly. Mm. The awkwardness and then the long pause, then yeah. the punctuated by the quack, then a little bit longer, and then we cut away, makes that joke sing. Yeah. It sings. And what I guess I found frustrating was the, the rhythm is always the same in this show when sometimes it works. That scene, I think, worked quite well. The scene, Tibet scene with throwing rocks at the bottle, I enjoyed for what it was. Mm-hmm. And there are other times where I'm like, mm, I, if you were going for something there, it didn't, it didn't work for me that time. It just wasn't... Because it's never being delivered with conviction. It's always being delivered... I mean, except when it is. When it's so far over the top. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm the wrong person for this show. I mean, I really enjoyed, yeah, the Agent Cooper stuff, the... Audrey stuff. I had no interest in like the lumber mill stuff. I I like the Audrey stuff just because Audrey was appealing. Like yeah, I mean I I, I really liked her, her character. Yeah, I liked her character. I thought she was a badass. I was like, yeah, no, she's cool. Like doing her own thing, just like kind of solving a crime and doing it really effectively. Um, but yeah, like the lumber mill stuff. The lumber mill stuff. It was just, it didn't work for me. Because it wasn't like, it wasn't far enough. Whereas like the, like the Agent Cooper stuff and like the Laura Palmer stuff was like, it was just so big that it was like, I like really, really interesting to me or just like really funny because it was so absurd. Yeah. Whereas the lumber mill stuff never like reached those heights. In uh, it was, Like it wasn't funny and it wasn't like crazy dramatic. I was like, eh. Yeah, I, you could have done without it. You yeah. could have done without it. What I, the other things that I really liked was just the, like, when the cousin turns up, the, the lookalike. Yeah. And she turns up to comfort the family. Yeah. 
by looking exactly like I look like just like your dead daughter. See, I wanted yeah. logic again. I it's, wanted a twist. I wanted this so, to be mean something. No, it was just it's Great. just like a big like slap in the face, and they're just like, okay, hi, yeah. thanks, honey. <laughs> <laughs> It's just great. So it just slides right in. Yeah. It's fucking creepy. I thought it was. So, I thought it was so perfect, though. Like, yeah, because it happens all the time in like soap operas. Yeah, it's and so everyone good. just accepts it. Yeah. They're like, oh, hey, uh, you're Madeline. Yeah, I, I'm Madeline, and I look just like Laura. I'm just here for a couple of days. Like, it's like it's totally normal, and it's the most children. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I talk like I'm a four-year-old who's actually 80. It's very confusing. It's like, what's happening? <laughs> but, that, that, I mean, there's a lot to be said about how quite a few characters speak. But, um, God, I love – what's – does the mother have a name or is she just like Mother Palmer? Uh, I don't care, so I don't know. <laughs> Do you just like leave Kathy? you? <laughs> Kathy? Oh, maybe that's wrong. No, because there's a Catherine. Anyway, I – as much as I like made fun in the rundown about her crying, she was so good at it. Just like the like the, the most hysterical like, the, crying, the hysterical yeah. crying, just absolutely going for it. Yeah, no, I, I quite enjoyed her. What do we think of the music in this show? I really, really love the title. I actually like. Dum, dum. Yeah, yeah. I will all, would always watch the title sequence yeah, every single that time from that episode two onwards. Watched I and rewatched. Um, but uh, that's kind of it. Uh, yeah, they were like. It reminded me of Stranger Things, but I, I would assume that the things that in Stranger Things that it reminds me of are a direct homage to Twin Peaks. Quite likely. Yeah, yeah. The there is the theme song. There's this like specific sleuth detective theme. Theme, sorry. There's this like something shifties going on theme, and there's this huge imposing dread theme. Well, and I, they repeat ad nauseum well, and drive me insane. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I think I read it somewhere today. Um, there was, uh, no, I, I think I heard it on another podcast maybe. Um, they, were talk- they were talking about the music and they were saying how it's totally like a soap opera in which you would have just paid one composer. Like, can you give me like a general sad song, a general like creepy song and like all these like like really general feelings and they've only got like five to ten of those songs and they just play them throughout like the entire soap opera and i so maybe that's what they were doing i don't know but i thought that was a cool little point maybe i keep thinking to myself maybe i would have appreciated this even a tiny bit more if i didn't binge it if i could have watched the way it was intended to be made and definitely was intended to be watched in the night in 1990 which is you sit with it it's 40 minutes or hour and a half that first episode and you go away and you sit with it for a week you come back and get a little bit more, and so you get a little bit more of each character, a little bit more of each story, a little bit more of whatever. And I don't, and I would not be driven insane by those themes coming up every ten seconds, over and over and over again. It would just would, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Like, know. I, th- and I, think, like, I, I think that would be. It just wouldn't have affected me then. Hmm, but like, just what I just thought it when Damascus was talking about the music then, and I'm like, oh yeah, of course. But I think that that those sorts of details would be the things that. Uh, audiences on the first airing would just know intuitively that 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 was what was supposed to be making fun of or referencing, like right because they you know would have been really familiar with eighties soap operas. One would imagine. Yeah, that's true. Maybe um, we're just not getting a lot of yeah. reference points in this show. We're not getting them because it, we Maybe. live outside the era of when it was on. 
Yeah. I think that's probably 100% true. Yeah, right. It's Because um, one of the things I try to do is go and find out what are the things that people gravitate towards with this show. And like I found an article on IGN and an article on Marie Claire. Not exactly the highest brow stuff when it comes an to... article on Marie Claire. <laughs> that's where I found it, right? That's just going searching for why do people like Twin Peaks? They both had lists which made right. it really interesting. Like, it just made it easy to digest and mm-hmm. I was... Did you get any sweet sex tips from Marie Claire as well? <laughs> I didn't keep looking. Okay. It was just the website. I didn't start <laughs> clicking around. Um, I remember... Sorry, it's completely digressing. But I remember I, I had like a cosmopolitan magazine when I was like 15. And I had like a, a sexy section. And one of the tips was to put an ice cube in your mouth so that once... Um, when you're like giving him a BJ, one side's cold and one side's warm. Who writes you these things? The People who are like, like, in your you need, cheek? I need you to make a list of a hundred of seventy six <laughs> or sixty nine sex tips. Go. Oh, fuck it. Um, oh, I'd write some I fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what that was. Yeah, right. Maybe that was Lynch. The <laughs> Lynch's test. <laughs> oh that, my god, would that read. would be amazing. <laughs> That's such a good idea. So here's here's the general sort of. This is me amalgamating these two articles. Mm-hmm. And what they sort of said. Number one that both of them have that I think is fair is its place in history and what it inspired. That is without a doubt obvious. And I think that is something that I can appreciate the show for. If you want to make the argument that it inspired Buffy and Lost and Westworld and all that sort of stuff, cool. Great. I'm glad it was a big enough cultural success that those things were able to take that ball and run with it. I can appreciate that. The same way that I can watch Citizen Kane and not enjoy it, but appreciate that it is where so many modern filmmaking and editing techniques come from. I appreciate its place in history. I do not ever want to watch that film again if I can avoid it. This is why they make you watch this stuff in film school. Are you guys going to watch season two? We're, we're going to get to the end of this podcast and decide. Because I want to talk about something that happens in season two that is like... I'm, I'm at the point where I don't think spoilers. Not that happens. I don't like, think plot spoilers are going to ruin the show for me. It's not this really stage. A plot, plot spoiler, but you, you guys are familiar with that, that the fact that David Duchovny is in season two. I no. was not aware of that. David, That's made me more interested. David Duchovny plays a cross-dressing FBI agent, so he's going. He's like living as a woman. He appears as a woman. He's clearly a man. Going, you know, he and there's nothing, almost nothing said about it. Right. It is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It. They just, everyone accepts it. It's totally fine. It's just one of those things that, yeah, it's just part of the world. And what's his character like as a character? Very effective, very efficient, uh, not ridiculed at all. No, 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 don't, don't. Hang on. What I'm not interested in, that's a cool point and I love that if there's going to be cool stuff like uh, including minority groups and those things. Oh, his character is like David Duchovny but a woman. But like... He's like Mulder. I love the look that Lauren had on her face. I was like, what else would he be? It's David Coffney, <laughs> no, but like, as a woman. He is. No, He's guess, like Fox Mulder with a, blo- is... with a long brown wig. Okay. Yeah. And is this a character that you enjoy? Do you do you care yeah, about him? Yeah, he's great. Okay. I can't, I can't argue against it. I haven't seen it. But I guess my point is that like, is, I love that those, like anything like that, inclusivity of that sort of sort, that'd be so ahead of its time in that way. Awesome. Cool. I am so on board for that. I care less if it's in a show that can't get anything else right though. In my, for yeah, me. Yeah, fair enough. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, but that's cool. I definitely champion that. That's fine. So, yeah. Your place in history, I'm on board with that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The fashion, this, this is this list. This is people trying to convince, this is an article trying to convince, convince people to watch this show. The fashion was mentioned as being a highlight of the show. I love everything that Audrey <laughs> wears. She's just look freaking cool. I want to hang out with her. She looks like she's in like a 50s girl gang. It's great. Sure. Uh, the mystery. There is a mystery, I guess. I got spoiled while I was researching this season. Did you? Yeah. Is there more to it than what we got in the show so far? No, I mean, like I know who killed her. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. The setting. Now, this bit I can agree with as well. I do like what Twin Peaks as a town. I think like these iconic little areas like the sheriff's mm. the sheriff's office or the you know, sheriff's department building and the is it RR Diner. Yeah. And the like double R, yeah. the Double R and the Great Northern and stuff like that. I do like those. Those, they are, yeah, they're, they're really effectively designed and I don't know. They've got a, they've got a really cool vibe to it. I, I guess whoever was doing the set dressing and design stuff like that, I, I appreciate those bits and liked what they were going for there. The weirdness and the creepiness, and and then one of them said, "Twin Peaks notorious slow build makes it impossible to stop watching." Notorious slow build makes it impossible to stop watching it was one of the weirdest sentences I've ever read about why a show is good because mm. it was so notoriously slow yeah. that you couldn't stop. Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Is this the Marie Claire one? Okay, it was the Marie Claire one. It was their fifth point, the final one on their list of five. Much like a damn fine cup of coffee, you won't be able to stop. Twin Peaks, notorious slow build. Hey, I don't want to rip on women's and gossip magazines anymore. Teen Vogue is currently the most hard-hitting magazine. But you can't paint them all with that one Teen Vogue brush, though, because a lot of them are awful and damage women far more than any other medium. Fair enough. So that's my opinion on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I like the log lady. And that I was a really bit of absurdity that was lady. like, cool, that that that, was, that made me laugh. That was very funny. The bit, oh, what who, was the who, line? Who's the lady with the log? We call her the log, log lady. lady. Yeah. <laughs> that one I loved. That to me could have been out of like, I don't know, all sorts of different parody films I'd seen before and go, oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I, talk to me about what you were thinking, what you wrote down. I want to know what was going through your head as you're watching the show, Damas. Go uh, for it. Okay, oh, thanks. Um... <laughs> So I was like watching it. I was like, I feel like this this feels really familiar, like looking at the darker side of like rural communities and suburbia and stuff. Sure. And I was like, I want to research like other movies and stuff that I'd seen 
I'm like, is this an American thing? Is this what they do? That was something I was reading a little bit about as well, is that that just the vibe or the setting was so appealing to a lot of people. Mm. I think that sort of sort of a Midwestern New England type setting, this little small town and how creepy they inherently are just became a thing for a while yeah. in the 90s. It was very in vogue. Yeah. I mean, just like the darkness behind any kind of like American dream, like the good old you know, good old boys of America, like, you know, the nice sheriff and like the the, mm. the prom queen and that kind of the darkness behind all of those kind of characters that you see in like American pop culture. It's like looking at movies like, you know, Good American Beauty, The Virgin Suicides, we've got Fight Club, American Psycho, but Donnie Darko and one of the latest ones like Gone Girl. Um, and then I was looking into like, like American Gothic and South- Southern Gothic kind of stuff because I used to be obsessed with Southern Gothic literature, mm-hmm. um, mostly short stories and stuff because they're, fucking terrifying um and it just reminded me of that that like that insidious like darkness that you can't put your finger on and like inherent the horror is in the ambiguity because you don't know whether to be afraid or not just that yeah it's like there's nothing on the surface that that you can look at and pinpoint and go that weirds me out but there's Mm -hmm. this general feeling and tone that makes you feel uneasy true detective or something like that is a good example that's that's american gothic yeah. stuff as well isn't it right yeah yeah that, well, that's southern gothic stuff yeah. i think some of it also in twin twin peaks in particular is like that very real undercurrent of violence like mm. someone's been murdered people have been murdered and yeah. hurt and there's this super violent yeah. uh what's his name leo yeah like, yeah. yeah like you the know like domestic violence the, story going yeah, on there. Stuff, yeah. The, the guy yeah. in the husband in jail who's coming out who's supposedly really yeah. violent oh, for, as well. Like, yeah, he, like that character being introduced and when I've already got 35 characters yeah, that I don't yeah. care about sort of <laughs> yeah. was done. It was like, why yeah. why are we here now? Yeah, but it's all about like the... Oh, and the and like the One-Eyed Jacks. One-Eyed we talked Jacks, it all about One-Eyed Jacks. One-Eyed Jacks and Laura Palmer's, what was going with her in general, mm. were, I was like, I want more of this. Yeah. I, and But the problem was the the show kept diverting to like the lumberjack oh. mill and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like a lumberjack for, mill. The, <laughs> they just the shred up mill. some lumberjacks. Yeah. <laughs> the lumber mill. Yeah. Um, and all those that kept going and like, then it would go to Nadine and like her problems with the silent runners. Not able I to did get not mind any diversion to Nadine. <laughs> I was like, I am all about this. <laughs> Where's it going to go? Yeah. yeah. Because those elements that were coming up like that and that darkness, you know, that underneath what people you know the secrets that people have that um underneath the wholesome i I find that stuff like endlessly fascinating and like endlessly terrifying it's like yeah you know yes do you know where your children are tonight like that kind of stuff like no i don't know where my kids are tonight it's like they could be doing anything they could be prostitutes in canada that's right but (laughs) but on the other end of it as well and this um this is hard oh gotta find out what i'm trying to say here um, so like the, the like forbidden allure of being a, like a prostitute, you know, like prostitute fantasy yeah. sort of thing for like young hometown girls sort of thing like that. That's a thing that exists. And to see that actually being played out is, oh. Yeah, I get the feeling a lot of the stuff that was coming up was just extremely risque and like yeah. not at all approached by any sort of... Yeah, but yet like completely teenage, familiar at the same time. Like yeah. people were aware of it, but not on television, I think is yeah. the point, which is which is cool. Yeah. And again, maybe more of a... The problem looking at this 26 years later and I've I've seen so much of the television that's come since then mm. and like what television's doing now, there's nothing 
there's nothing shocking about what's being talked about on Twin Peaks now that I just wasn't alive nearly, barely alive at the time. I certainly wasn't part of it when it was happening. I've missed the boat. I mean, I was just a baby, but I was I knew all about it. I was fully into <laughs> it. <laughs> all about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, good. Good point. No, that di- that, well, <laughs> something else that just sort of occurred to me as well is that I'm not really somebody who... Like, it's interesting listening to what Lauren was saying about how there's still images in that that really do affect you. And maybe when you were first exposed to it has a bit to do with that. But then you've got a low sense or a low tolerance for horror stuff anyway. I have a very high tolerance for that sort of stuff. I'm not someone who gets creeped out. Did any of this creep you out in any way? Not a single second of it. Like, none of it. None of it was unsettling? None of it. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm trying to think of things that I have found unsettling and have affected me. Um... Uh, the Babadook's a good example of a movie that I came out of there going, that was effective. I really liked what it was going for there. It did in a really effective way. And part of that was because there was a, I understood the metaphor that was going on there though. And I liked the way it was presenting that story. I thought it was cool storytelling. And it, because there was an element of real reality truth, like there was, what was I listening to today? I was watching something. Oh, V from Vendetta. And they were talking about how artists use lies to tell the truth. There is artists using lies to tell the truth in that film. And I loved what that was doing. Um, and then I, I really like um, The Shining. The Shining is one of my all-time favorite movies. And that's got some completely absurd and, and odd imagery in there. And the first time viewing it, I didn't get it all. And I still don't get it all at all. But uh, what it does in there is so effective and so good at building that tension. And its focus is so good. And when it puts in those obscure moments, they're really effective because they've earned them. Those get me really well. And Twin Peaks... I mean, it could be so many things. It can be a limit of the medium of TV at the nineties. I had to, I did have to actively stop myself from criticizing things like the cinematography and stuff like that early on. There are some good moments in there, and there's some rubbish. But I also had to go. This was a nineties budget, and they. This is not what tele- yeah. television is then. Not what it is now. Yeah, mm. um, I mean, I have a low tolerance for horror, um, but I didn't find any of it scary at all. Yeah, no, not at all. Cause but then again, I didn't find... The Shining didn't affect me at all either. Okay, cool. Yeah. What stuff has affected you? Um, it's usually like supernatural stuff, um, like ghosts and demons and... Okay. Yeah. So I reckon in I mean, I two, hate horror movies. I hate them. I really, really hate them. That sort of... That element of like supernatural unsettling things, moments, some moments that I, I feel like invoke The Shining a little bit come along oh in Twin Peaks Twin yeah Peaks. totally I My, agree with that yeah. the bit that got me hopeful that I was going to start engaging with the show was the dream sequence at the end of episode 3 yeah that's my favourite moment in the entire season and it's probably mine too yeah and it's the bit I was weirdly dreading the most also because I knew that was coming. I'd seen yeah. the imagery before and I'd seen enough of Lynch's stuff to go, I had never coming. seen it before. It blew my mind. Oh, really? Yeah. It blew my mind. So yeah. I was aware of, of some of that just because I think that imagery is iconic That's the moment I was like referencing up. earlier when I was talk, like, talking about like Mulholland Drive and that yeah. was doing Cry yeah. and it, like, it was a moment in the film where I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this before or felt this while watching a movie. And I had a similar reaction when watching the dream sequence. Well, that's what surprised me is when it hit... I was so happy that it came because going into the show was like, oh, I'm going to get... It's, it's such be a long sequence Lynch's, as well. It is it a long sequence. It just goes on and on. But I was like, Lynch's shtick, I'm going to... Okay, I know what's coming. And when it finally showed up, I was like, cool. I'm happy for this to start being embedded into this show because this is what this show needs for me. 
and didn't go back there that entire season. I was really upset because I was like, yes, show's coming alive. No, it's not. It's this. That was it. That was the whole thing. Um, yeah, I wish there was more of that stuff. It makes me, it doesn't, mm. you saying that makes me want to watch season two. Sort of. Mm. Lauren's face is not encouraging. No, <laughs> not She's like, it, yeah, you probably should. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to get what you want. I don't, yeah, you won't. <laughs> Sorry. I want to believe that I can get things that I'm not expecting that I don't want as well. Wait, can you say that sentence? I again? want to believe that Look, I'm, I'm more open minded than I seem to be. But maybe I'm not. Look, um, did you hear me earlier talking about how I was terrified by a carpet <laughs> in the cu- the carpet sequence in season yeah. two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably not gonna. I've got nothing wrong with carpets. <laughs> I like Aladdin. Great magic carpet in that. It's that's awesome. It's not yeah. scary, but it's funny. I like that. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's a great character. So why was that scene so effective? The because it felt sequence. like I was actually in a dream. Yeah. Because it just because he did such a good job of making it feel yeah. so surreal and so dreamlike. Yeah. It's like when you see someone who depicts like taking a specific kind of drug and like, oh wow, okay, they've actually taken Nailed that drug. That. Okay. Like that's and what being it, able to recreate it. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I've only seen like maybe one or two instances where that's happened. I'm like, yeah, no, this actually feels like I've taken that drug. Um, one being I remember very specifically is uh, in Skins. I was like, wow, they've done that really, really well. Um, but yeah, this, this felt like a dream. It felt like, yeah, so disjointed and confusing and strange, but everything makes total sense. Cause it's like within your own like mind. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah, it was, blew my mind. What? Like you're looking up Rod, like. No, I'm like, just trying to think, I'm, I'm just real, real realizing that I have a very poor memory for my dreams. Like when you say it felt like a dream, I have like, I, I wake up and I've forgotten what my, I dreamed about. I know I dreamt, but I have no idea what it was. People seem to have very clear memories of their dreams sometimes. My girlfriend, she heard, she remembers her dreams in ridiculously good detail, like she lived through them. I just don't. I wonder if this is part of the reason why you don't appreciate the absurd. Because I don't have... Because you don't Just don't engage with that absurd part of my brain Yeah, enough. or like don't remember it. Maybe. I'm sure you have dreams. Um, I definitely have dreams. Yeah. I know, I mean, I've got... There are a couple of times I can remember I've had dreams at different times, but... I, I know I'm having them in when I'm in them, but yeah. I don't remember them. So I can, when you say you remember the feeling, I guess I kind of remember the feeling mm. of that. But as no specific image makes me go, oh, that feels like a dream necessarily. I like, I like the imagery. I like the ideas in there though. I like that the guy's talking backwards. I like the red drapes and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, I like the imagery. It was mm-hmm. cool and effective and striking and interesting and yeah. It got me, yeah. but not necessarily because I went, oh, that's a dream. Right. Well, that's that's what a dream feels like to me. Just that it was striking more than anything, I guess. Right. Um, okay, I'm trying to figure out where we can direct this before we start wrapping it up. I guess the question I just want to ask is, considering it's still considered a cult classic, or even beyond that, it's steeped in pop culture now. Twin Peaks is a thing. I've never watched it before, but I knew what it was to some degree. I was aware of it. Mm. Um, what is the thing that you think that's enduring about it? Is it just the people who lived through it at the time because it was such a phenomenon? Is there something about it that still is sticking with people in particular? I, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm of the age I am. But like everyone I know that l- really loves this show was not around or either like a baby when it was on. Yep. And they love it. 
I think people just really like surrealist kind of stuff or they just like Lynch's stuff and yeah. it's just a continuation of that, I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't know because I'm not one of them. I can't really tell. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I was looking at like forums and stuff like that and mm. like the um, one of the good places I went to were people asking the exact same question I did, which is why am I not liking this show yet on the Twin Peaks subreddit and trying to see people explain to them what they liked it. And most of them were doing the same thing Lauren was doing though, where they were saying, if you don't like it by episode three, you're not going to like it. Like just bail. You're just not going to like it. And it kept just coming back to the imagery and the feel and the surrealist and they found it very funny in that in, in what I was trying to do. I guess that's it. That's Yeah, it's that's funny. It. It's hypnotic in yeah. a way. It's Sure. Um, and people just look for different things in their art. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I guess I'm just trying to figure out. I'm, Yeah, I wish I, I want to appreciate it. I'm trying mm. to figure out how to. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be does... a snob. I don't want to hate this. I want to like it. No, I just... darling, if you're a snob, you would like it. That's, is that it? Is that I'm just... I just yeah, think yeah. you're like, a simpleton, snob, right? That's all. Yeah. That, yeah. Is, that Lawrence, might be. Yeah. yeah, you're a simpleton and Lawrence a snob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and that I'm just a mediator. That makes way more sense. <laughs> oh, that's actually... Makes you feel better. Yeah. But um, <laughs> if the most interesting thing I've got out of this is yeah. watching the show is trying to figure out why I don't like it mm. and not. I mean, I like it's it is always a shame when you feel like you. I'm missing something. Yeah, That's exactly. Why I'm you feel like I'm missing you, out. you're missing out. Um, and I get that feeling too because there's a lot of like, excuse the term, but arty farty stuff that I just don't understand, and I feel it makes me feel dumb for not understanding it. I don't like not understanding it or not liking it. Like I don't want to not like it or dislike it. Um, but Are there any specific just, examples? Are there any things I mean, that you've uh, Kubrick stuff. Don't okay. like it. Don't like it. Yeah. Don't understand it. Don't see what people see in it. Um, same thing with like as much as I love like the lady kissing in Mulholland Drive. Didn't really. I mean, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't understand why people are obsessed with it. Yeah, things like that. That it, you know, you feel like you're missing out on something. Um, so, mm. something big in culture or just in art that you, you should love if you love film or if you love television. So it feels really strange to be on the outside looking in. Um, but you know, reminds me what I think about okay. postmodern art, just in general as well. I go to a postmodern museum that has a postmodern section, and mm. I'll be like, there will be certain things. There'll be specific bits here and there I can pick and go. I like what's going on here. I can, I'm latch on to something in this one, and so much of I'm just like, that's a plank leaning against a wall. That's not anything. I'm not like that for all of like um, all paintings. Just paintings in general. I I don't understand them. I, like, I'll go to an art gallery and I've done it like quite a few times with people because they're like, let's go to an art gallery. I'm like, sure, tote, this will be fun. It's never been fun. I don't know what we're doing. Why are we staring at walls? <laughs> like, can we, and also you have to, there's so much standing involved. I don't like to stand for that long. So that might be a part of it. But I, I'm like, oh, that's a cool picture. Next. Like, why do I need to spend more than like two seconds looking at it? It doesn't make any sense to me. And I know it's like coming from a place of ignorance. I understand that. But it just, it doesn't make me feel anything. Okay. At all. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. So, I'm just I'm just a simpleton too. It's okay. Oh, can I can I ask because you seem to like this more than I did. What mm. didn't you like about it? Was there anything that really gave you like irritated you or upset you about the show at all? Or did you let it wash over you because Yeah, no, nothing upset me because I okay. um I I purposely left all expectations at the door and if I didn't understand something I was like I don't think I meant to understand that that's fine 
Um, but like I said, I didn't really like the the lumber mill stuff. Um, mostly because like it wasn't funny or it wasn't like absurd enough. Um, so I was just kind of like, this this feels like a parody of a soap, but it's not funny. So. So it just becomes a soap. Yeah. Like that bit felt yeah. too much like yeah, it was, that was a soap. That was too like straight for what I thought the show was, I guess. Um, but no, I think most most moments were like either entertaining because they were funny or they were absurd and I find that entertaining in some way. Yeah. See, that's really interesting because that's how I felt about so much of the show anyway. Even though it was being weird, I still didn't mm. feel like it just separated itself. I guess it's like trying to make fun of a clown. Like I already thought soaps were dumb and it's like my favorite parodies are often of things that I adore, right? So... Weird example. I love we. I love Avatar: Last Airbender, and I adore the uh, Ember Island players where they're making fun of themselves because it's fun to be able to poke those, make fun of those things that I love. I love Hot Fuzz and I love Shaun the Dead because they're amazing parodies of their, the action, the horror, zombie genres. And I already like those things, and so making fun of them made sense to me. When I already think that soaps are dumb, a show that's trying to make fun at soaps is kind of like, yeah, I know, yeah. I just guess, I, I don't know. Is that another? I don't know. It's going to drive me insane. <laughs> David Lynch is going to be the death of me. I mean, I think it's easy to say now because soaps, I think, are so much lower on the rung now. Whereas I don't Compared think back, yeah, was back then I don't think they were. I mean, Dallas was fucking huge, right? Like everyone loved that. And that's the most of like absurd soap In opera. America, yeah. yeah. I remember mum used to watch Days of Our Lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I remember, I I remember when they all of a sudden the, the devil was legitimately in yeah, Days of Our yeah. Lives. Like <laughs> yeah. Malena or something like that, one of those characters oh, yeah. was possessed by the devil. I remember that. Yeah. She was tied in bed for, I feel like, an entire yeah. like, year. Like it was yeah. great. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, and like, yes, yeah, Stefano, that's right. Mm. Stefano, yeah, and then yeah. Billy and uh, Bo, and Bo died like... Yes. Because Billy was the woman and Bo was the guy, and that always confused me. I was like, that's the, yeah. they got the wrong that way around. And now I'm pretty sure that the lady who plays Billy is now in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But I guess like, I felt like I was laughing at the show. I mean, it was post-Lynchian probably then anyway, by the time I was watching it. It was post-Twin Peaks anyway. I don't, I yeah. don't know. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to say yes, please, just one please. last thing was that because um, like, my experience with Twin Peaks, like, that, like overarching feeling is that of menace. And I feel like if you're missing the menace of it, then it's just never going to land. What? Yeah, no. See, mm. I just never got that. Like, see, that's what I got like with the – like um, as much as I wasn't like, oh, this is scary. I was like, oh, it's got like that. Yeah, undercurrent of like insidiousness, like yeah. you know the American Gothic and yeah. the Southern Gothics and stuff. Yeah, which I thought was cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, for whatever reason, that never ever hit me. And I, I do. I honestly feel like it's got a lot to do with just the fact that it couldn't focus on one or two storylines to do it. If it stayed more focused on the Laura Palmer stuff, and we didn't go as much as you like Nadine, as much, I, if we didn't go there, and we didn't go to the mill, and we didn't go to what was happening with. Shelly and Billy, I think it was half the time, even though that, yeah, I mean, there's stuff there, I guess, but it's just so, so spread out and ugh, it just, like, yeah, I, none of it could work because all of a sudden we'd be somewhere boring. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we going to do, Damask? Are we going to watch season two or not? I'm going to go by the quality of this conversation, no. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I think we should probably not do that as well. So, this yeah. is the first time in 
the history of this show, yeah. we're taking out the ripcord clause, which yeah. is if we both agree that it's not worth watching season yeah. two, we're not going to. Mm-hmm. At 22 just, episodes at 44 minutes, I, yeah, I don't think I can do it. I don't I don't think we have the knowledge to be able to talk about a show like this. In knowledge and sense that we're just watching it at the wrong era, we're coming at the wrong time, or we are we missing something? I don't think we have the appreciation of this kind of um, film and TV. I would agree with that. I accept that it was released on on network television. Like it was still a network television show that uh, that millions of people, like twenty two million people or something, watched it the first episode. I remember right. reading it was like one third of Americans or something like that were watching that show. Some ridiculous amount of people watched the first season or at least the first episode of Twin Peaks. It was phenomenally popular for a period. Right. Which, when you say we're not qualified to talk about it, yeah, it, like. I don't. I mean, I get that it was like qualified for anything that we're talking about. No, I, th- I get that it was like popular um, for a, a, sh- a short period, but I think it, it's existed in like the zeitgeist sort of for so long because sure. of its cult following, that because of the people who love like Lynch's stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and that, we don't like that stuff, so I just feel like we'd we're never going to really have a lot to say because we don't even know where to start grasping at this. Yeah, fair enough. If, yeah. if that's what, if that, if, yeah, if if the prob- problem's twofold, we didn't exist during the zeitgeist of it when it was a national phenomenon, so we can't comment on that. We can't look at it through that lens and neither of us tend to like Lynch, so we can't look at it through that lens. We're not offering much in yeah. the way of an interesting perspective, yeah. except as the outsiders who both go... Mm. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I can say like, oh, I like this moment. I like this moment. I like this moment. Yep. But beyond that, I don't feel capable of like having a really good in-depth discussion about it. So you don't want to make shit podcasts is what you're saying? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. cool. I agree with you on that. That's, <laughs> that's a good reason to not watch season two. So we're going to not do that. That means we at this stage, we don't know what we're going to watch mm. as a replacement. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, if you... For, I don't know, glutton for punishment and you really do want us to talk about season two, feel free to write in and let us know. Yeah. But I have a feeling after you listen to us talk about Whatever season one, is. you'll be like, no, I don't want that. But yeah, you know, let us know. I might even like, part of me is curious enough to want to go like not watch it in a week, but watch it bit by bit if I'm in the mood and try and get through the rest of it to say I've done it. That's cute. You're never going to do that though. Uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but I'm going to But it's to sweet try. that you have dreams. That's nice. <laughs> I just want to be one of the cool kids. I want to be one of them. And I want to. Darling, that was my we'll never next be one question. of the cool kids. That's never going to happen. Are we interested at all in the reboot that's coming up? Like after watching this, does this make you more or less interested in that? I'll probably check it out. Maybe an episode or two. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested in watching it as well. I don't think we should I mean, make I it an official. I mean, I just kind of like watch. I'll, I'll be watching for like Agent Cooper. Um, but do we know? The oh, unit? yeah, he's over all the promo stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. A lot of them are back. Like a Audrey's lot. back. Yeah, yeah, she is. Oh, really? She's actually. So we've in... actually seen footage, like, or, or is it all flashback no, stuff? No, it's all just. Them, I've just seen them like doing promos. Yeah, promo interviews and stuff. Oh, um, interviews and stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. I. I'm, I don't want to say we should do a podcast about that season, but I definitely would like to bring it up at some stage if we both give maybe give it a go and see it, just talk about how we went and whether we were able to get into it at all. Or yeah, and it would be interesting it. to see because, like, obviously this 
the original versions of Twin Peak, um, the original seasons, um, came out in a very different um, era. In just like environment, yeah. like in TV yeah. environment. So it's like all the things that we've learnt about how to make television and how they then apply that to a new Twin Peaks is actually kind of fascinating. I'll be looking forward to seeing that. I'm just interested to see what it's like in a internet Reddit world as well, like where everyone's going to be able to do what happened we were talking about with Westworld last mm. week about how that was analysed to its own death basically by people. Um, I assume it's all coming out week by week. I'm pretty sure it is. It's going to be one episode a week. Who's, who's making it? Uh, oh, Showtime, that's right. I just remembered. Answer yeah. my own question. Oh, yeah. So, what that looks like, and like if I watched in that way weekly, maybe there's a podcast I can listen to or something as well. If I'm reading reviews and stuff, maybe I'll find a way to enjoy it then. I don't know. I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see. I'm fascinated by that at the very least. Okay, let's start wrapping this up with our normal questions. Uh, favorite and least favorite episodes. Damask, do you have a favourite episode? I didn't get to run these by you, sorry, Lauren. Do you have any favourite episodes? Or <laughs> uh, My favourite episode is episode three. Is episode three the one with yeah, the... Yeah, that's mine too because it has the dream sequence in it. It's it, my favourite. It's funny. Talking about now, I agree with you. I wrote down initially there was episode eight because I kind of liked that there were some conclusions and real right. events happening. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there were some consequences and some things going on there. But that was, I think that was me just railing against the show because realistically that end of episode three is is my favourite part and that episode was probably my favourite for that reason. Least favourite episodes? Look, listeners, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember what episode it was, but it's the episode where like there's just a whole lot of stuff going on, we think. Whatever right. that one is. So you and Lauren had the same yeah. least favourite episode. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think my least favourite episode is episode two. Because I think that's when I realized that I wasn't going to like this show. Mate, <laughs> mate. It was like, I was just like, I was trying. There was the bit, uh, there was, it was the, because it, there were moments where, it, I don't know. Yeah, it just, I, I just realized I couldn't engage with it. It's type of comedy and stuff like that. This whole bit about fish in the percolator and <laughs> cherry pie will kill you. Oh, there's a great cherry pie, it'll kill you and... Harry stuffing his face with donuts and that Harry was just the most boring person that ever lived. All that sort of stuff. And I was just like, oh, I'm just not going to like the show, am I? That's a real shame. Oh, see, I, I liked episode two because it's got, yeah, the log lady saying, my log saw something that night, which I thought was amazing. It's got that great moment where Bobby's at the dinner table with his parents and they're having like, they're trying to reach out to him and then suddenly his dad just like slaps the cigarette into the mum's dinner mm. and then like the mum like picks up the cigarette out of her food just, she's, just as she says like, we're here for you, Bobby, and like throws it away. So mm-hmm. it was like such a weird and like creepy like suburban family moment, yeah. I like that episode. The, yeah, I guess... The thing about the log lady, right, is that I can appreciate that completely on its own, mm. right? It can exist in 101 different situations and I'll find that funny. It was nothing to do with it being a part of Twin Peaks that made me laugh. Like, I find that funny too. It's just absurd enough in the right way for me mm. to go, oh, yeah, I get that joke. I also love the flashback between <laughs> between Laura and James and it's just so like, like soapy and amazing it's like got all like the vaseline over the yeah. lens and stuff and she's just like 
now my heart belongs to you. And she's like, this, <laughs> this awful, <laughs> awful scene. It's like, Jane, I've forgotten about James. It's like, it's a shame yeah, right. that I forget about James and mm. I can't remember Lara Flynn Boyle's character. Donna. Donna. I just, I just forget about them. Mm. Until, because until that last episode or so, or last two episodes, once they meet, is it Maddie, the doppelganger? Yeah. It's like, I'm just, they're just there. They're just, just sort of being there. Final score and ranking. Oh, there's no, we don't need a ranking. We're not going to get to season two. Final score from you, Damas. Why don't you go first? Oh, I'm giving it one star. I'm, I'm, not just, I'm not going to give it anything more than that. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. There are people listening to this. I hope people probably haven't got this. They've probably gone, yeah, this skip this episode. Yeah. Um, I'll give it two and a half because it made me laugh in quite a few moments. Um, it was visually stunning in others. Uh, I love Agent Cooper. I am attracted and intrigued by <laughs> Audrey. God, I wish I could travel back in time. Um, and also, like, it's just an important moment in television history. So I've got to respect that. So 2.5. I can, I feel like I can appreciate and respect something and still not like it. Like, of course you can, and so you couldn't. Okay, yeah, no, I'm just trying, <laughs> trying to, trying to justify my one star because I agree yeah. with you on that part. I agree with you that, mm. like, I appreciate where it, its yeah. place in history. Lauren, do you have a ranking? What would you give it out of five stars? Uh, I'm gonna say a little bit above. I'm gonna go three and a half. Um, yeah, it's mainly because I can't. I just can't think of anything else that's like it mm-hmm. it's so unique um and i can't believe that it's still so unique yeah that's that's fair it's in a world where there is a million and one different reality shows now about freaking cooking or sham marriages or yeah. just the same schlocky sitcoms over and over and over and over and over again i can appreciate something being original and also as well. and also the fact that it managed to like did you say how many did you say 23 million it's, like that's that's what it's if i'm getting it right and there's a good chance i'm not but from what i understand that was its pilot episode yeah that's to me though that's good marketing Right. Like, okay. If some, if you get that many people to show up to your first episode, you marketed the shit out of that film. It's like when uh, Batman vs Superman has a ridiculously good opening weekend. They marketed that film well enough to get however many million of bums on seats. But when the second weekend there's a drop off of seventy to eighty percent in ticket sales, it means the movie was no good. And so, when the show can have a huge opening and then be dead by the middle of season two, that sort of speaks to what my problem with the show is: is that. It's it's yeah, why I find I think the your legacy problem of the with show it really is the same as the creator's problem with it. Like the Do you know what I mean? Like it's not as if it's not as I don't feel as if the creators were like would try were trying to do something and people just didn't get it. I actually feel like like it it was a failed experiment. Like it yeah. didn't right. Yeah, like I don't I think that everybody dropped off at the same time. Mm. Audience and creators. Like, yeah, like yeah. Disney, if it's possible. Actually it's not. Yeah. Yeah. The I guess that's why I find the whole legacy of it really interesting having watched it now is that it, when, when I'm trying to not just... Why don't I like it? It's me trying to figure out why it was so beloved. I guess kind of what the answer became was, well, it is and it isn't beloved. It's yeah. like there is a very specific group of people who fucking adore this thing mm. and that's cool. But there's less people than I thought because 
for the phenomenon that it was at the time, it was very short lived. It was kind of a one hit wonder, like it was Aqua, right? It was like <laughs> it hit- um, they had more than one hit. Thank you very much. That's true. They did. They, they had a whole had, album. They had. <laughs> I love that album. Thank I had that you. album too. Even the second album was a good song. So like, we are the cartoon heroes of world. Yeah. <laughs> Generation is poison. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the yeah. next question on my list was: Will we keep watching? Oh, we already. We've decided that's not happening. Not. Yeah. So no point going to predictions, hopes, concerns about going forward. I mean, I already knew I probably couldn't predict things because I'd been spoiled. So sure. Okay. Oh, let's. Can we do that? Okay. I'm going to say it here. I'm gonna, let's. If you've come into this knowing to, not wanting to have spoilers, stop listening now. Spoil me on what happens next because I'm probably not going to watch it. What happens? Like who, who killed yeah, who her? killed Laura? Uh, her dad. Her dad killed Laura. Yeah. Cool. He was. Um, yeah, like a and like that. Bob guy is like his a, evil alter his ego. Demon, yeah. Oh, yeah. really? The guy that gave him the sa- not the sandwiches, no. The Bob guy. Which one's Bob? No, no is the guy with all the creepy. Long yeah, hair the end of the bed. The, the end oh, of is his creepy old? Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh man, That's kind of where was that in season one? I want to see more of that. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> Do you want to watch season two now? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything else that was crazy? That what? What do you else do you remember from season two? Because um, I've heard there's aliens. So and yeah, yeah, stuff, there's aliens. There? So there's it comes into it more with um, Bobby's dad, who works for the government and ah. investigating aliens. Oh yeah, right. The guy who's also from Stargate. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, he gets. Oh, all yeah, 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 yeah. He gets all mixed up in it. Now I'm clutching at straws with my memory. Forgot about those characters. Yeah. Um. There's a uh, Cooper has a lot more. So Cooper, um, post um getting shot. Yeah. That, oh, so yeah. in the what in the in the, the opening of season two is like this fucking crazy Beckett. Straight out of Beckett scene that goes for like ten minutes that you would absolutely hate, but <laughs> um, but you is, would shit yourself. So bro. like the um the eighty the eighty ninety year old um room attendant comes in and at at like snail's pace delivers a glass of warm milk to Agent mm. Cooper who's yeah. on the floor riddled with bullets and he's like the the milk will get cold and he goes he leaves the room he comes back in he says i know who you are gives him thumbs ups leaves the room again comes back in hangs up the telephone Gives him another You're thumbs me want up. To watch it now. Yeah, me too. Gives him another thumbs no, no, up. No, no, this is already working Wait, a level yeah, more yeah, than yeah, anything yeah. in season one. What? Maybe just the way. You, again, it's all about perform. It's all about presentation, <laughs> right? You're presenting this in a way that I'm enjoying. Yeah, another thumbs up. Waits for Cooper to give a thumbs up. <laughs> eventually leaves the room, and then he has this vision of a giant. Wait, Cooper does. Cooper has a vision of a giant who appears before him and tells him three things. And it's like, and he, the giant is giving him a giant riddle about how he will know oh. who killed Laura Palmer. Right. 
And it's like, yeah. And so that straight off the bat, it's like supernatural, crazy, proper, absurd. It's like, it, it's... It's See, Beckett. that's the bit that makes me want to watch it because it sounds like it's committing to that stuff more. It's going there. It's like I was. Yeah, but like it doesn't. It doesn't. Mm. Like, it's still. It, Twin is, Peaks. is it going to do the same thing where I liked it at the end of episode three because it went somewhere crazy and then it just backed off completely? And mm. is that what it does? Is it goes it goes, goes there in for and a second? Out. And it goes then, in and out. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to watch it, but I'm like, <sighs> oh, man. So again, I'm. It's FOMO, you know. That's it. That's yeah. all we got. Any, anything else you want to add here? Um, I'd like to issue an apology <laughs> <laughs> to anyone that's made it this far. I'm really sorry. I really appreciate our listeners for sticking with us with this one. It's, uh, <laughs> if uh, we offended you in any way, if you upset you, if you are now in a comatose state, thanks to whatever this was, mm. our sincerest apologies. If yeah. you have a really compelling... Um, defense of this show and you think you convinced me that I'm a complete fucking idiot, please send it to me. I really, really want to hear from people and what they like about the show and what I'm missing. But, bro... It's a part, I, I know, no, it's a part of me that's missing. Like, it's not yeah. that I'm not getting There's something. There's no way that I they am, could explain it that you're like, oh, now I think it's good. Like, that's that's, <laughs> all I that's want. not a possibility. All I want. You just don't like it and it's fine. I just feel like I've been found as a fraud. You know what I mean? I feel like people are going to listen to this and go, oh, that, he's one of those and that's it. Like that no one wants to listen to what I have to say. Well anymore. now they know who you are. Yeah. There it is. That's that's the Live worst with it, bro. That's the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to contact us, you can do so on Facebook by searching for Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at Hunting S Cast or Hunting's Cast. You can email us at Hunting Seasons Podcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at B Gordes B G O R D S Damask. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Maskingmoo M A S K Y M. Double O. Lauren, do you have Twitter? No. Okay, cool. Don't worry about that then. (laughs) I'd like to thank Lauren very, 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 very much for coming on and being uh, the enthusiast on this episode. You're welcome. I just have to say, and I have a question for you, Brod. Given that you don't like Rocky, how are you okay with me having a huge poster of Rocky in our living room. No, no, when I say it, I don't despise Rocky. I'm not offended by Rocky. It's on order. It's on order. Oh, I, was yeah. saying, I just started looking around the lounge room and there's nothing here. I was like, what are they talking about? Green Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, I, I'm not, I don't hate it. Oh, okay. I just didn't didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Right. And I sort of did, didn't, it did engage me, so I disengaged. Okay, cool. Um, you're more than welcome to have it on there. It's obviously iconic and like you can have a Twin Peaks poster as well. I'm not going <laughs> to throw a rocket and nor tell you to <laughs> demand that you take it down. Just put up whatever the fuck you want. That would be hilarious though, if you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. That's Excellent. Fine. Thank you very, very no, much. You're very welcome. Really appreciate it. I hope to have you on again another time, maybe for something that we yeah, can all maybe, be a bit more enthusiastic uh, about. Next time I'll actually do my homework. Maybe we'll all do our homework. That yeah. might be good. Yeah. Uh, also want to thank, of course, Sean Kirkpatrick, who designed our wonderful logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net and also Jordan Calavis for writing and performing our excellent Hunting Seasons theme song, you can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classic jrex. That's classic J-R-E-X. Also, if you would like to, I'd normally ask you to review us on iTunes. Maybe don't after this episode. <laughs> so we'll skip that. Don't you dare review us. <laughs> Not this one. I will hunt you down. Next week will be better, I promise. <laughs> <laughs>
Next week, actually, while we're talking about that, good segue. Next week, we're going to go back and do one more in our currently airing category. Mm-hmm. Um, after doing Westworld last week, next week, we're going to do Atlanta. Yes. The new, I'm not even really sure what it is, show I've got no idea by Donald about. Glover. Uh, Donald Glover describes it as Twin Peaks with rappers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go then. Here what we go. What a twist. <laughs> <laughs> that I was not expecting that. And now I'm petrified. <laughs> what have I done? And you picked it. This is your idea. I love Donald Glover. I love his work. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's fantastic. I love, I'm not a massive rap fan generally, but I do like he, some of, a lot of his rap and I like a lot of his so less rap music. you're not a huge music. fan of the hip or the hop, <laughs> is what you're saying. I am, I'm more of a fan of the R and the B. Right. So his mm-hmm. latest album, and particularly a, a several certain songs on there I loved. Right. I've always loved his work on community and just generally as a comedian, I found him good. Mm. And as an actor... Have you ever watched any of his 30 Rock episodes? Um, I Not specifically, I don't... Right. Think or I haven't gone out of my way to watch him. I may have and not known it because he was a writer on that show he as well. Was, but he, yeah. he was he also also on it occasionally too. Do you ever have a not character? Not that on I him? remember. He might have come on in the later season as the cameo, but I don't ever okay, remember but he was that definitely actually writer. happening. Yeah, right. Um, and so there, I've not watched all of Thirty Rock, but I've definitely watched enough episodes to say I like Thirty Rock. Mm. Um, and as a writer on it, I assume I've, I mean, I liked that. So definitely, if you saw the first few seasons, definitely yeah. cool. So in that case, I've seen enough to have definitely seen at least yeah, some right. work. I like I like Don Glover. I'm fascinated to see what that show is like. Now slightly petrified, but we'll see how that turns out. Is next that legitimate? Week. Like he actually? Yeah, said, yeah, fuck, yeah. That's fuck. amazing. Fuck. That's, that is so good. That uh, that is not intentional. That is yes. that is Lynchian. It's coincidences right there. Amazing. That's beautiful. Uh, on that I'm really happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> so scared now. That actually really really. Uh, yeah, and I like it so. Yeah. Everyone likes it though. It's the it's one of those things where everyone seems to love it. It's getting such <laughs> rave reviews. He won a Golden Globe for it. I know, I know. It's just like like it's not just you, Lauren. No, no, no. Everyone no, I mean, loves like, it. It's okay. That, like, I like it. <laughs> You're not special. You're not a snowflake. I thought I, the way she said it, I thought it was like I liked it. So you probably won't. Is what I thought that was going with. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) This is Hunting Seasons. We'll see you next week, assuming you're still listening to us. Bye for now. Bye. Sorry. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.